Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Samp and Chats. I'm your host, Bobby Sampson. Joined with me, as always, is my man with the master plan, Mr. Chats Michaels. Knee high in snow we are. How, how, how are you dealing with it, brother? It's quite a bit out there. Roads are slick. Some people are getting stuck on the hills. People without snow tires shouldn't be driving, but they still do anyways. I guess the thought is in BC, we'll only get it for a few days a year, so people don't want to bother putting even their own snow tires on, I guess. A lot of people are getting stuck, but some people won't even help you when you're stuck. Seen a well, guy today, shall yeah. just drive by two feet in front of him, spin around, had to get out and help him push. The guy just stood there, didn't care, so he doesn't have snow tires. And you know what? And, and I don't blame the fellow for not wanting to help him because say he helps him and something happens to the guy's car or something. Like people yeah. are just so relentless today. Like oh, yeah. even, so even we're, you know, even, yeah, exactly. Even where we are, we have to make sure that our, I get it. I would do it anyways. Yeah. Our sidewalks have to be immaculate, like clean and, and, you know, whatnot, because if anyone falls in front of your house, man, you can be sued. They can be sued. And it's just kind of people look for these opportunities. It's kind of like the guy who drives behind the Amazon guy <laughs> and waits till he delivers to the house that doesn't have a camera outside. Yep, that happens. Or people yeah. that see the fall in the fall in the mall on the wet floor or whatever and sue sue the mall or the grocery store. That's a different one. They got lots of money, but I'm just talking about the average Joe going after that average Joe. Like, I mean, yeah. if we can't support one another in average land, then you know, what's the point of anything? We got big trouble. That's my take on it, anyways, man. And I don't, you know, I don't blame people. Like, I want to help people, but at the same time, I'm almost afraid to. You know, like I've heard of stories where people were were choking, and then the guy who saved them got sued by the person he saved. Boy, you broke my rib, or you bruised. Yeah, 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 I've heard about this. Before, you know, yeah. like I mean, what what are you doing in America? Apparently, thieves could sue you if they get hurt while they're robbing your house. Apparently, yeah, you can't touch them, can't do anything. It's a lot lot different in Canada, but America you can sue anybody for anything, pretty much. Yeah, no doubt, man. I mean, it's unfortunate. But hey, listen, I tell you what, man. Uh, I thought we'd do something a little different here today. We have an interview in the bag with one, the moment taker, Jordy Taylor. Uh, it was a phenomenal interview. I wish you could have been there, brother man. But you know what? Obligations, I get it. It just didn't yep. work out. But uh, it was a great interview. We, we we covered a lot of ground, you know, what got him into the show and what, what made him want to be, you know, a wrestler and you know we we talked about wrestling and it was just a beautiful conversation about wrestling about storytelling about character development and a lot of what we talk about here is is you know congruent to what he believes in yeah so it was really cool to have that conversation and share that with him um i i'm telling you guys right now this is a guy to look out for there this guy's gonna get big i i have a good feeling that he's one of these independent guys that we have on the show here that is going somewhere very fast um, i hope so yeah. i hope so too but you know his trajectory his his mindset the way he's planning it the way he's looking at it i i can't see him failing unless he decides to fail himself yeah no he's, he's a good talent he's got he's a good a really luck. good talent <clears throat> absolutely he's got it all going on so guys sit back and relax Grab your favorite drinks, your snacks, whatever it is. Grab your favorite blanket on this cold, horrible night across the country and most of the states. I guess uh, once you get past Texas and Arizona, it's okay. But I mean, everyone else, <laughs> um, you know, let's just uh, curl up and 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 be happy. That being said, chats. Uh, next week, just let's give the listeners a little preview of what we want to do as yeah. we are coming fast to the end of the year. 
I thought maybe you and I could do a year in review for both wrestling and boxing next week. So I like that. Guys, stay tuned for that. Uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll talk about our favorite rest, male wrestler of the year, favorite female wrestler of the year, uh, best match, worst match. We'll come up with a whole bunch of these things as the week yep. progresses now. And, it'll be fun. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun, man. So, you know, we're and I, I think it'll be more fun if we don't tell each other who we picked. Yeah, no, no, we won't say anything. We'll just... Right? Let's just keep our list that way. Maybe we'll formulate the list together in terms of what we want to base it off of. But other than that, we won't share that. And then uh, yeah. it'll be a surprise to both of us come uh, Tuesday and Thursday next week. So, guys, that being said, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever you celebrate at this time of the year, I hope it's a happy one. Um, that being said, Mr. Michaels, thank you. For, for being my partner and uh i've really enjoyed this ride so as we good. go into yeah absolutely as we go into the christmas break let's uh let's just let everybody know we won't be back till next tuesday we're just going to take the week off ourselves and enjoy it with our families and enjoy the holiday season so that being said uh guys sit back relax enjoy this wonderful interview and uh Again, as we approach the holiday season, it's getting closer and closer. The roads and the weather aren't cooperating. So do no. your part and don't drink and drive or drug and drive, whatever your poison is. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Love it. But, you know, don't don't put anyone at risk with it. Absolutely. I ask, right? Totally agree with you. Well said. It's been a good year. We've had some good shows and many more to yeah. come in 2023. Oh, I think 2023 is just going to be an even bigger year for us, man. It That's will be. It. It We're just getting started. Year. 100%. So that being said, Chance Michaels, you too, sit back, enjoy, relax, and, and uh, let me know what you guys think of this interview we did with the one and the only, the moment taker, Jordy Taylor. I like Snapping that. That's out. a good name. Yeah, it's a good name, eh? So yeah. I'm Bobby Sampson. He's Chance Michaels. And in the words of the great ACDC, those that like, subscribe, download, and share the podcast, we salute you. We do salute you. And in the words of the immortal Ed Whalen. In the meantime and in between time, that's it for Samp and Chance. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everybody. We will see you on the other side. Take care. So, hey, Samp here. Samp and Chance. Hope everyone's having a great afternoon. Here we are Sunday afternoon. And guess what, guys? I have a special fucking treat for everyone here today. I am sitting here with the one and only. You guys got to watch this guy. He's going to be a monster. I promise you. The moment taker, Jordy Taylor. Brother, we met in Calgary back in September for the first time. I've been watching some of your matches before that just oh, to... Those suck. <laughs> well, regardless of not, you know, you're doing it. And, and for me, that that's monster. That That's bigger than than a lot of things that people are willing to do. You know, you're take, you put yourself out there, you took the chances, you, and I admire that, you know, being an upstart podcast myself and trying to do everything that I want to accomplish. It's individuals like yourself, individuals like Scotty Mack, who's a good friend for both of us. Um, you know, it's, it's motivating, right? So for me, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule your weekend your day off to be doing whatever you want to do to do to do this with us this is an amazing opportunity and on top of that we're doing it live man and we're doing it in person which is something it's kind of new it's not new but it's 
in evolution of where we're all going with everything. It's cool. So thank you very much for that, man. My pleasure. You're fun to talk to. Awesome, brother. Thank you. So 2011, tell me about that year and, and how it all... I guess the most cliche question of every interview is like, how did you become a wrestling fan? I don't, I want to ask it, but I, so what What was your trigger? What got you into this whole thing? How my dad showed me, uh, was it Hogan and Warrior? I'm pretty sure that was the first thing I saw at like five. And uh, I was just obsessed ever since. Like, I'd, And it's funny too, because later on he stopped liking wrestling because it started getting too phony for him. So he'd mm -hmm. be like, when you watch that, I'd be like, you got me into it, bro. It's your fault. But yeah, the five was when I started to become obsessed with it. Well, it's when I became obsessed with it. And then at 12, I decided to be a wrestler. And then at that point, I was looking into schools that were that were close to go to. Not close to go to, but good schools, reputable schools that I wanted to go to. Plus, I was just a kid, so I didn't really know what I was looking for. But I saw uh, Dory Funk School. Okay. And that's what I was like, I'm going to go there. So that was my, my choice. And then by the time came, uh, and when I was 22, I think, 22? Yeah, that's when I went to school, wrestling school. Storms was open, so I was like, "That's like, perfect," because I like I was obsessed with watching them in WCW, and like that was like there's not a better technical wrestler to get trained by, right? So it's like it was just so perfect. So I quit my cool job, like like I was working at Greyhound. It was a, it was a dope job. I was working good hours, had good money. But I was like, I have to leave. So then I went to I actually went to school in 2010, and then I took six months off after because I didn't have a job mm -hmm. when I came back from wrestling school. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, wrestling was in Vancouver for the most part, and I lived in Nanaimo. And yeah, since there was no wrestling, I didn't really have any place to go or where to go. And then serendipitously, uh, ECCW was having a show in Esquimalt. So then uh, I messaged Michelle Starr and he didn't get back to me because uh, apparently there was this thing for the longest time where there was storm guys that were, they were saying there were storm guys, they were like emailing whatever the case, but they didn't actually graduate or maybe even go per se. Sure, sure. So then they were like ruining the reputation of people that did. So when I messaged, I didn't get a reply back and then I messaged Scotty and then he's like, yeah, we're going to have a show on, what's it, January 22nd, whenever I debut. He's like, just show up. And then uh, DJ Laredo and Scott Steele were going to that show because they lived on the island. They were like uh, some of the only guys that were wrestling on the island that were like that went pro like cremated run slasher and real run slasher and, and whatnot but like uh they were like you can just write up with us so then i did and then when scotty saw me he's like also too uh to neil dashwood she yeah, was Emma. there at the time yeah mm -hmm. and she she was at she went she came in for like a training day for us to like help us whatever the case that storms yeah. So she recognized me. She's like, oh, I know you from somewhere. I'm like, yeah, Storms. And so it proved that I wasn't lying that I went to Storms. And Scotty's like, do you want to have a match? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Obviously, terrified. And it's like, yeah, to be in the triple threat. And I was like, that's a very scary match to have for a first match. But it was amazing, even though it was, yeah, it was terrifying. Learning on the job, I guess. Yeah. Plus that's six cool. months off, too. So I didn't really have time to, like, keep up my skills. Right, right. What skills I had attained in school. Sure, very sure. much. Absolutely. <laughs> and what was it like with Lance Storm? Oh, man, he's the... I mean, I don't, I haven't seen a ton of like super uh, high up there people that have done something with themselves, like trainers per se, but um, he's the best trainer that I've seen. Like, it's just like he had a perfect regimen. Like, it was like three months of like everything exactly how we need. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I don't know, like to me, I'm going to steal the whole routine, the whole, like the, the whole curriculum. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, like it was just, it was perfect. And he's, he was intimidating at first because just the persona of being very serious and yeah. it's hard to like yeah you're around like a name whatever the case but mm -hmm. yeah it, it was it was a wonderful experience that's awesome man 
Um, how much of what you've learned is still applied today or how much have you taken and actually evolved those lessons to make them better? I mean, like I, I still, like the foundation he gives you is just so, it, it, it's, okay. it's wicked. Like I, I still use everything that I use then, but like, uh, my style has developed so much over the last 13 years that like, so I've, I've, I've taken a bunch of what he has and obviously just expand on everything. My, my style is very, uh, old school, but I mean, a uh, huge personality is old school, but it's like old school in terms of wrestling, but big personality. I'm not necessarily a technical wrestler, so I'm like the opposite of what he would be. Like, yeah, I'm more so brawler that throws brawler a couple suplexes here and there. Yeah. 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 And just like talk a bunch of shit. No, I love that. No, no, absolutely phenomenal. That's one of the things that kind of I found endearing about your character. Like, just scrolling through your social media, there was just one picture that you posted yesterday, which I thought was just fucking awesome. Was a silhouette mm. picture that you posted. That was a cool um, I, I'm gathering the more that I've gotten to know you over the last two, three months that we've been able to communicate and chat uh, and looking at your social media and watching your matches. Psychology is a big part of, of what you bring to the table. When did you discover the psychology or do you understand it or are you still learning it? Is it something that never stops? No, you always have little breakthroughs constantly. Like, I learn something every match. Like, I, in matches, I can say, like, when I'm grabbing a guy, when I'm picking him up, like, it brings me back to, like, a match that I had two years ago, specifically sure. in that moment where I picked the person up the wrong way. It's like, what we'll say, like, when I watched it later on, I'm like, I did not like the way I did that. And then so, like, it'll bring me back to that moment when I'm in the match, and, like, I'm like, oh, I got to do it the way I like to do it, not the way I, the lazy way or whatever the case, the way I didn't want to do it. Right. But anyways, uh, like, in terms of psychology... I remember specifically when I was at Storms, I was just struggling for the first like month trying to understand it and I just could not, like it was for the life of me and I was like getting anxiety about it. I'm like, I don't understand this shit, it's way too difficult. I'm, like, And then one day I remember it just clicked and like it didn't truly click but I broke through and I got to understand to the point of being able to like wrestle a match and, and get through it or whatever the case but it didn't click click until... 2017 when I really started taking it serious. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Does psychology work more so with the crowd being present? Is it harder to learn when you're just kind of in a learning state? It's impossible. I mean, like it can. You like the whole first year. Is you a have wash. to be in front of a crowd to understand it and yeah. learn it. Is, is that right? Am I wrong? Yeah, like no, I'm... totally. Like the first year is like just it's about like being in front of the crowd. It's about like just hitting the mat and being able to remember where you are or remember I don't know just in general like to be able to listen to the crowd like it's there's so much going on like I'll say for my debut I remember being at the entrance and I remember like smacking five with a crowd at like three quarters around the ring and I remember being in the ring I remember being on the top row I don't remember like the full thing I just remember like bits and pieces because that's all it was like yeah. that's all my first year was was just a wash of learning there was no chance that I'd be able to learn psychology I was just learning not to be terrified and terrified in front of people because okay. I was and am a very big introvert like I wrestling brought me out of my shell and for a time it made me crazy and I thought I was extroverted in that sense but I was just releasing all my pent-up uh nerves and quietness from when I was a kid but yeah I'm a very introverted person when the bell rings I'm crazy ironically enough if you didn't know who I was or whatnot I am very much introverted as well yeah. um you know it just I, I can go to a function, but I'll sit there quietly for the most part. 
And then people see the podcast like, wow, this guy actually has personality. Mm-hmm. It's just like, because it just, it, it's exuding in where I want it to be. When you're creative and flow, right? Yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. Like I can go to a stadium and sit with 70,000 people and watch WrestleMania mm-hmm. and not feel any anxiety. But I can go to a dinner party for 10 people and just be stuck in a corner and not want to yeah. engage with anybody. Totally. Right? So it's kind of, it's a kind of an interesting concept. It's weird how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you started out in 2011. How many gimmick changes have you gone through through the character to become the moment make- taker? And is the moment taker an accumulation or or, or evolution of everyone you've ever been? Because I, I watched you from the beginning. I, I didn't recognize you because your head was shaved and you had no beard. Oh, and and, and <laughs> I don't know if you get this a lot, but you know what you remind me of? A lot of. Brody Lee. The late yeah, movie. I do get that a lot now. Yeah. Do you get that a lot? Mm-hmm. Do you embrace that, or do you find it? Kind I mean, of... I don't want to be like anyone, but yeah, that's a very wonderful, respectable, awesome name to ever be compared to. Right? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, that's a that's a big compliment yeah. for not me. But absolutely, because <laughs> when I saw you in Calgary that first day with DTA, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know, this guy's like looks like Brody Lee, yeah. built like Brody Lee. He works kind of like Brody Lee in that sense, and your compliment as fuck. And and your your expressions were very much that way because you guys had that tag team match at the uh, Los Pavilion, Mm -hmm. so that was the first time I got to watch you live. And I've always stated that one of the guys that I love watching on the scene the most, not because he's my friend, not because he's provided me with a lot of opportunity to to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. Um, Scotty is one of the best Mm -hmm. sellers in the business. Best everything, yeah. He's so good. You know, I love watching him work and being able to watch him close up mm-hmm. in the last couple months. Just his off-camera stuff. It blows my mind. Just like, this guy is just, at, wow, it's just amazing. And I see a lot of that with you too, though. Yeah, you know, and I love that. And I just like, you posted this video recently of you dropping the dude on the chairs. Like, wow. I mean, even I cringe. I know... It was like it was, it was it was a work, obviously. But I mean, that I'm still recovering <laughs> from that match right now. Yeah, <laughs> but but still, like I mean, how much has your body gone through? Man, that's fucking. I I, I don't even. I mean, I guess I can tell you why. It's because I believe that my body can heal itself, so that's why it has done so. But the amount of injuries that I've had in 13 years is a couple of them. I thought I was going to have to retire. Uh, like the first one, the first big one was six months into my career, which sucked. That was just me being stupid and learning. And I was uh, wanting to be a flyer because I was trying out things. It's funny, uh, side note, bring me back if I forget where I was going there. But uh, yeah. when I first started, I was obsessed with chain wrestling. And that's like, like why I wanted to go to stores, right? Technical yeah. wrestler. So I was obsessed. I was like, I'm going to be the chain wrestling king. Yeah. I'm going to learn all this shit. I'm going to be the best at it, blah, blah, blah. It turns out I suck at it. So I was like, that's literally the opposite thing as to what I do. So like going into wrestling, it's the opposite thing as to what I was uh, going to do. Where was I going there? I forgot. Where... So we're talking about injuries six months into injuries, your Injuries, yeah. So six months in, I was trying to be a flyer. Yeah. And I was a face. The, yeah. the, funny, I've only been a face for about a year of my whole career so far. But uh, I went, flew over the top rope, and then hit the floor. And then I herniated the disc in my lower back. Okay. And it sucked, obviously. And I had to wrestle 14 matches that weekend. So that was terrible. But anyways, I, I, I did that for like, I had that for like four months after. And I just knew 
I don't know why I've always been able to like listen to my body. Mm. So like I just knew that I had to twist a certain way and then it would pop back in. Mm. So I just kind of twisted every day, just constantly, just obsessively until like one day I was sitting at a bus stop and I just found the perfect way to lean and then I twisted and then it popped back in. I was like, the pain went away completely and like I, I was having trouble walking and shit there for a little bit. So that was the first one. And then I want to say 2014, 13, something like that, I dislocated my knee. Mm. doing a suplex and I like wanted to do like a snap suplex pivot pin yeah my leg stayed where it was and I moved so then it came out in a tag match at the beginning of the tag match so I just had to take it out but luckily I popped that one back in myself too and then in 2020 I caved my chest in that was the worst one mm. absolutely terrible and, how did that happen uh that was a fatal four-way ladder match TLC match, I think. Okay. And it was a ladder set up on my chest and another person's chest beside me, Nolan James. And Rewan Slasher and BJ Laredo were doing two sentons onto the ladder. Ooh. And yeah, so it like it crushed on down to us and I was I had my hands up like this. I was supposed to like fucking hold to protect myself, but I didn't. Right. And it just crushed it like pushed in my sternum. And it's the, the worst pain I ever felt. That was three months of like literal pure hell. Like I couldn't sleep. I couldn't breathe, I couldn't do anything aside from just like, I would like, I just pop right there. I would just like try to move and contort and like when I would sneeze, it would pop it back out little by little. So it was like, I wanted it to, and eventually I popped it all of myself. But shortly after that, uh, I herniated the disc in my neck and that one made me throw up a bunch. Oh, that, no. that wasn't fun. And I don't even know how, because on the match that I wrestled it in, like, yeah. it happened. Nothing really happened to make it do that. So it was weird. Yeah. I popped that one back in. I popped out my caved in chest and then I was in a match, uh, Five, four months ago, mm -hmm. and I was uh, the guy was in a sleeper, or I had me in a sleeper, and I jaw jackered him, but he came down on me with all his weight, and I heard he had a disc in my middle of my back, and like that, I had to wrestle a cage match the next day, and I was in like I've never been, the 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 uh, the, the caved in chest was horrible, but I could walk around still, and like I I wouldn't want to wrestle a match, but I could get through one if I if I had to. Mm -hmm. I mean I did because I wrestled with it, but. The back one, I couldn't even walk. Like I was in so much pain that I could, like I was sitting. I remember sitting in the mirror before I had the match, and I was like, I was like, God, I'm either gonna die right now or I'm gonna come back and be okay. And then I was fine when I came back. So surprisingly, I was like, fuck, beautiful. Uh, but and that one, I popped back out little by little shortly after that. But like the caved in chest one, I thought I was gonna have to retire. The herniated disc in my neck one, I thought I was gonna have to retire. And then by the time I got to the one in my lower back, it was like. Even though it was the worst pain I ever felt, I'd been through so much that I was like, I, was like, I just kind of surrendered. I'm like, I know I can heal it. I just don't know if I'm going to aggravate it beforehand to make it worse. Sure. Or, but I, I just know that it's a bit, within time, I'm going to be able to get to it and pop it up and just move and contort until I figure it out. That, those, those are my major injury lists so far. And like, it's crazy. Today, I have no pain at all. Like, it's, I, I had more pain when I walked into the wrestling business than I have now. And that's another weird thing because I used to like to go on long distance runs like constantly. So I would try to do like 20Ks like once, uh, twice a week or like whatever the case. But my legs would, because I would just try to run as far as I could, as like as long as I could until I was just broken down. And like that's as far as I would get. Uh, and so when I went to storms, my knees were just fucked. Like I, I don't know what it was. Like that's my MCL or ACL. Here? Case. Yeah. And it bubbled? Uh, they didn't it was kind of inflamed. Yeah. Oh, they were both inflamed on both sides. I get, I get this one happened to me all the time. Yeah. Just, I used to run a lot. Yeah. Right. I I is in this neighborhood where we are right now. Mm -hmm. I used to do twice a week, sixteen point five k. Damn. Yeah. Right. 
but on the pavement, right? So yeah, I run the highways. Yeah, I run the highways and everything. So I understand that pain. Yeah. I can run on a treadmill. It's boring. I, I like visual. I get it, but I can only go to a track. I can't run on pavement anymore. Yeah, totally, totally. Right? I, I'm the same. Like, I, the reason why I can't do like treadmills is because I just like I like water. I like running by water specifically. But yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, with like, so I had my my knees were messed up and going into storms because I didn't want to miss my chance for that. Obviously, I paid for it, whatever the case. Sure. And I didn't want to tell him that my knees were all screwed up. So like, he made us sign a waiver saying like, if you get hurt, whatever. Uh, like the first day, like it's not my fault. And yeah. Blah blah. And yeah. I, I didn't say anything because I'm not. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm finish this. Yeah. I hurt my knees. Whatever the case, I don't care. And then like the third day, we were doing drop downs, and like that's very knee based. And somehow it just like made them fix. And I was like, miracle again. So well, there you go, man. That's the craziest thing. Like again, no pain today. Now, obviously, throughout the history in the annals of professional wrestling, you hear about how guys break into the business. Hogan Matsui broke his leg. You know, it's it's almost like when you go in for the first couple of times, they try to break you mm-hmm. to kind of separate you. Does that happen with Lance? That is no, his no. basis like that? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah, the, the, they... The, they try to break you to see who actually is legitimately yeah. cut out for this and who we're going to put the effort into. Mm-hmm. Lance didn't do that? No, he was very professional. Wow, That's why I, I respect that very deeply. Because, okay. like, I mean... Uh, but do you also respect the breaking thing? Like, I kind of respect that, too, because if there's 50 guys in there that want to be a pro wrestler, mm-hmm. but only Jordy Taylor and the guy beside him want to do it, yeah. wouldn't you rather have the other 48 eliminated so you get all of that energy? I totally get that. And, like, I respect it for the time. And, like, that's the thing I struggle with, with, like, kayfabe, is, like, the the toothpaste is out of the tube, in a sense, so, like... Everybody knows everything, but they don't know everything. But back then, it made more sense to wean or to not wean, like find out the guys that weren't, they didn't have the right stuff. But now, like I think it can be done in the same sense where let them do the 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 course if they want to in its entirety, and then if they fizzle out for matches or they're like like if no one wants to book them, like. I get what you're saying. You want to give them the opportunity to at least try. But it'll like it'll work itself out no matter what the case. Like the people with the passion. Like there's only three people that I went to school with that I'm that are still wrestling. But I I think I had a class of like ten or twelve. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like they're all done anyways, right? Like exactly. That's what I get from that perspective. I guess for me, it's like the one bonus I have is I grew up watching it legitimately through every generation. Mm -hmm. I'm very lucky that way, right? I mean, if there's one thing about being born in the '70s. Is I was a kid in the eighties. Yeah, that's amazing. So watching rock and wrestling as it had unfolded in, you know, the Saturday cartoon, the WWE Saturday morning cartoon Special. was a legitimate thing. I watched every Saturday. Mm-hmm. It wasn't on reruns. I didn't have to go back. It's like something we watched. And, you know, like the one thing where I can't remember who it was, but someone was fishing and Andre came and I think it was Hillbilly Jim fishing. Yeah. And he goes, "Hey, Andre, do you want to fish?" He goes, "Okay." He goes, do you need a rod? No, I, I fish like this. He goes, hey, fish. And all of a sudden, these fish came out of the water. Right? <laughs> That's like, awesome. Just, right? It was just yeah. like the original cartoons and everything, the whole rock and wrestling, WrestleMania 1. Granted, we had we went to the Pacific Coliseum to watch it on Cold Circuit TV. That's so cool. Right? But, you know, it just we were just little kids, and I was the biggest mark in the world at that point. There's nothing that beats that magic, though. Like, you can't you can't recreate that magic. Same no. with the Attitude Era. Like, you can't recreate the feeling of what it was like to, like, want to watch every week. Like, oh, yeah, that's... 
It was something like, especially not having the convenience of having internet and being able to figure out what happened on a pay per view twenty seconds after it happened. It, it was. I remember this. Okay, you know, this is pure shooting. It's just, it's funny because I was in high school, nineteen ninety three. I graduated. That was WrestleMania nine, yeah. and the, at that time we had these boxes, which 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 would unscramble the papers. Nice. But not everyone had one, right? Cool. You had that one buddy who had one, or what we would do. Uh, down the road, there was a pub that used to show the wrestling, yeah. but we couldn't go in because we were too young. So the guy knew we were kids. He'd open the window and we'd stand outside the pub watching the show from outside. That's really cool. <laughs> right? What, by any means necessary. Mm -hmm. And at that time, yeah, I would buy PWI. I'd buy all the wrestling publications because that's how we got our information. We didn't have internet. Mm -hmm. right? We didn't know what was happening half the time. Superstars, primetime wrestling is where we'd get all our information during the week and whatnot. But, I mean, it was just so... It was an innocent time to being a wrestling fan, I believe, right? That's when the characters were whatnot. But then, as 94, 95 started to hit, you saw a huge evolution in where the product went, right? So, for yourself, what generation, what, what era are you most drawn to where you kind of gather most of your knowledge or do you watch everything or you it's changed over the years like when I first started uh, like Attitude Era slash End of Attitude Era was where I took most of my stuff like I'm basically like 1998 in a bottle is where I like where I started like the, okay. that's where I got my most influence like I would say like if if the, the most thing that influenced me was uh, the Wrestlemania 14 main event of Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold like with if, uh, Tyson right yes yes if anything like I'm those two wrestlers Cause that's the thing I was like I, I fucking love these guys and like so I'm like the, the stone cold rage and psychoticness I was like as soon as I saw it when I was a kid I was like I have that I was like I know I have that like that rage inside me and it's like shit I can relate so deeply with that and then stone I mean, then Shawn Michaels like how cool he was like everything about him was just so awesome like the look like the personality of the case maybe like just yeah he was super dope like so both of them just amazing guys and like my favorite wrestler is Billy Gunn and he's on that card too so it's like all like those kind of guys like that and the NWO and all that and, like just like attitude is what sticks with me so that's why i love personality right like i just i still feel that like I, I that's where i get my inspiration from is that energy and that time frame so that's where i draw from right. but as i've gotten older i've watched old stuff and like i in 2017 ish like when i started to take it really seriously i went on the network the really network and i like just watched everything i could find because i just wanted to become the best so I was like I, I want to just watch every single thing that's on there and like I ended up watching I would assume the majority of stuff on there because I just sat there for 10 hours a day just for years just watching as much wrestling as I could find right and I became obsessed with Mid-South that's my favorite wrestling I've ever seen in terms of like just like a real competition with rules mm -hmm. and like it's just everything means something it's, it's beautiful shit and like the golden era of wrestling, obviously, with, like, Hogan, whatever, that that's amazing, too. Like, when I watch that, like, rewatch like, that kind of stuff. Obviously, because I was too young to watch it when I was a kid, like, to stick up, keep up with it, whatever. And, uh, and then aside from that, like, the 98, and, like, uh, I'm obsessed with watching old Madison Square Garden. Like, if I ever turn something on, that's usually the thing that I turn on. Okay. It's just, it's, it shows you how to work. Like, it's, it's so, like competition with big personalities like it's, I don't know it's, yeah like the, the older I get the more old stuff I appreciate whereas before like I remember when I was uh, like 15 or 16 I was walking into a dollar store and I saw this DVD and it had Antonio Rocca on it 
and like I saw it was like black and white, but it was two dollars, and I was like, I'd have to get this, and then there was like four underneath it, so I bought them all, and I couldn't watch them because they were black and white, and I'm like, it was just me being young, like I, I have to watch new wrestling, I have to watch wrestling in color, and then as I got older, I'm like, this is the shit I need to watch because obviously like this is the stuff no one's watching, this is the stuff I can take from, and it's ended up being it's like it's, all the moves that I use now, with the exception of two. I did when I was a backyard wrestler when I was a kid. So I literally just do all the same moves I used to do. But I've added moves from like old school wrestling that I later on found and started to really enjoy. Tony Oroka, but you said something in that piece there, which is really interesting. Not many people say that Billy Gunn yeah. is your favorite wrestler. Always has been since I first saw him. Why? He's the fucking man. Like <clears throat> that guy is asthma and he can wrestle like the way he does. He's like, look at how Jack he is now, how awesome he is now. He just gets cooler with age. Like it, He's so smooth and just like his attitude. Yeah, ass now, right? Yeah, <laughs> like from badass. Like he's just so cool. Like I, I, I don't know. He's always been my guy ever okay, since well, I first no, saw. Fair him. enough. For like Triple H is my guy, mm -hmm. right? That's dope. Um, Triple H is being my guy, and Taker have always been my guys. Yeah. Right. I don't know why. They're amazing. They're just I'm just <laughs> drawn to them. Yeah. And. Triple H's take on the business and everything about Triple H, I've it. always admired. Yeah. You know, people shit on him because he married Steph, and I disagree with that. Haters gonna hate on him. Well, but that's the that's the unfortunate part, right? And the people who hate have no concept of what really is happening. Like, dude, you're living it. I'm just a podcaster, but I like to believe I understand it a lot more than than most people do. Um, you know, like I said, we missed each other by a year. Because when you came to ECCW, I had already been a big, not a big part of it, but I've been a part of it from 2008 to about 2010, yeah. leading up to um, me getting busy with other things. And, you know, I was out of the indie scene for almost 10 years, like yeah. locally. I never stopped watching wrestling. Mm -hmm. Just didn't know what was happening at home in my own backyard. Mm -hmm. But those two years previous, I, I got, you know, and again, a testament to Scotty Mack. He allowed me and gave me opportunities to do things that I normally wouldn't have gotten to do or anybody would have gotten to do. I got to tear down the ring. I got to be a part of that experience, understanding how that worked. I got to put up the cage. I got to be a part of security. I got to work with Tennille, a.k.a. Emma, uh, you know, as someone to catch her when her and Veronica were having matches. You know, things like that. You know, getting to work the curtain working all these different things he gave me these opportunities like i mean i got to cross a lot of cool shit off my list right mm -hmm. and the funny thing is people then would say oh you get paid for any of this i go no i get paid with experience and understanding mm -hmm. you know like this is what my passion is i never got to be in the ring yeah. you know because i didn't know where to go in 93 92 mm -hmm. totally. like, you know, i didn't know what schools were out there we didn't internet was just kind of maybe making an appearance and people were saying oh this is just another phase or fad mm -hmm. right was the house of pain open at that time actually i don't i couldn't figure any of it out like i was just young i didn't know what was out there to be completely honest i didn't know where to start mm -hmm. i knew the heart dungeon was in calgary i knew that was there but i don't think i had the balls yeah it's intimidating too. or 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 i didn't have the balls man straight up i didn't have the courage and i didn't have the balls to put myself out there yeah. the way I am now, yeah. doing what I'm doing. So this is my contribution to the wrestling world. I want to be the voice for everybody. I want to be able to bring my knowledge to the forefront and understanding and gain the respect 
of the boys and whatnot. So that's my mission and these these why this is why I want to do what I do. And these kind of interviews that we're doing today and you know going forward and whatnot. Just to show the boys out there like, yeah, this guy knows his shit. He knows what he's talking about. He understands it. Because I got to do, not, I don't call it menial work. I call it the real work. Mm-hmm. Right? Without the ring, what do you got? You don't have That's a show. That stuff's essential. Right? That's why I always do it. And, and I noticed that. Even in Calgary, you didn't have to do it. They had their own crew there and everything. But you were right there in the forefront, brother man, picking up, you know, the slats and doing whatever you had to do. Uh, here are some of the local shows. You weren't on the card, but you were the first guy in line to take the stuff. I, I, I watch all this. This is what I do. I'm not, I like to observe everything around me. And I like to pick up on who's doing what and who's not doing what, right? And not judging anybody by it. By no means necessary. You know, some guys have attained levels. I get it, right? But to be in the game for 11 years, to do everything that, yeah, we're up close to 12 years now for you in, in, in action. Yeah. You started in 2011, right? Yeah. So, the month, totally. There you go. Crazy. So, so in essence, you know, you, you, you've over a decade, but yet you're at the forefront, you know, setting the example. And I think that's awesome, man. And I don't think enough people give credit to that kind of stuff. Everyone's so kind of wrapped up at the end of the show, you know, adrenaline's flowing. I get all of that. But I want everyone to know that there are individuals like yourself still out there willing to put that work in that you don't have to. I don't believe you need to do that anymore. You've earned the right to get the younger guys to come in and do it. Don't lead by example, though. Absolutely, right? And I, I commend you for that, man. I mean, it's one of those weird ones, right? Like, you know, yeah, I do it because I know it's right, you know, but uh, I commend you. Absolutely. It's this camaraderie, too, though. Like, it's, it's yeah. something to enjoy with the locker room, right? Like, not to say enjoy, but yeah. like it's it's we all have to do it. Like it's it's the making the the menial tasks uh, enjoyable, right? Like it's with the camaraderie and the, the, the teamwork, and like it makes us function as a team, which is really cool. Absolutely, but I, it's all something to do. Like I'm not gonna. I, it's hard to see stuff being done and not want to help, right? It's, yeah, it makes me feel lazy. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely, I get that as well, and I still feel that way when I'm at a show, right? Like I don't need to help, but I want to help, mm-hmm. right? I don't I don't need to do half the things I do at a show, but I want to. Everybody should be taking initiative is the point. Absolutely. Like doing something. No, for sure. Like, you know, I I show, you know, either way. Like, I mean, it's just beautiful. I love what you do, Thank right? And you. because of that, you know, it motivates me to kind of want to do better as well. Um, I understand how the locker rooms work. I understand how all of it works. I'm very privileged that I've been able to sit back there with you guys and, and understand the psychology of being in the back room as well which is a different level of psychology, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, at every at every turn, there's a way to be, mm-hmm. and there's a way not to be. How much of the old school is still involved in, in what's happening today in the independent scene and whatnot? Or how much has it evolved? Because back in the day, those guys used to go out drinking and, you know, Vicodins and whatever they would take to kind of take mm-hmm. the pain away. A lot of that change with Edge and Christian, I find that, you know, they were the guys that weren't really going out and drinking, yeah. would go back to the rooms to read. Mm-hmm. Now, most of these guys carry their game consoles everywhere with them. You don't see a real drinking culture anymore. That's true. Yeah. Um, and, and the way they take care of their bodies and stuff and whatnot. Do you feel that if, if guys back in the 90s, if the Razors, the Halls, and all those guys had the knowledge that's out there today, they'd still be performing or do you think it's just uh, I mean 
I've been on both ends of the spectrum. So, I mean, in terms of like, say addiction or whatever, like, uh, once you're in it, you're in it and you don't really know any different. If you're in it from a young age, like if you have a lot of things going on in your life that make you want to escape from your life, then you just stay stuck in it until you want to Change. start to face it and heal from it. Right. Like a, that stuff is very difficult. And like, we didn't, as a culture, we didn't really necessarily know about healing until a lot like this last, I don't know. Well, I don't really know, but I, I just know that it's more spoken about now than it's ever been. I, I personally think this change started to take place probably about 2006, 2007 yeah. is where it really started to kind of take off. Um, again, I, I preference Edge Christian as being one of the pioneers of that kind of new lifestyle mm-hmm. um, and whatnot. And they, they got a lot of shit for it because, you know, it was kind of weird for Edge, I felt, because he was kind of in that transition phase where he was still with a lot of the old school guys, but some new school guys were starting to emerge. He'd be just, taking as disrespectful, trying not to... Absolutely. Why aren't you coming out for a drink with the boys and, you know, things like that. Um, so, you know, I, I always find him a pioneer of, of that kind of lifestyle. Yeah. And then you have AJ coming in and he's very much the same way. And most of these guys do that now. Like, you don't yeah. really see them... Right, yeah, Partying it's it not the same as it used to be for sure. But do you think it's also social media because oh look, so and so was out. I mean, that could be the case. Yeah, I don't right? think I, I don't think uh, younger generations drink as much. I think they go more towards like chronic or yeah. something along those lines. Yeah. Like, and, sure. like going out and clubbing or because like, I don't do that, so I don't necessarily know what it's like. I've never been one of those kind of people. I don't. I'm the one of the people that just goes like to go home and hang out with wrestlers and watch wrestling or. Yeah just whatever, right? Like reflect on the match and just dissect it for eight hours. But uh, yeah, I don't think people do that as much. I, I think as generations change, they become, I guess, become more homebodies or not homebodies, but just, I don't know. For me, I don't want to have to, and I don't like drinking. I used to, but I was just trying to escape from myself. But I don't like locations in which I have to scream to talk because I'm already, I, uh, I'm not deaf, but and I don't have selective hearing. But sometimes, like I, in a loud environment, like I, I, I just don't. I just I don't want to have to focus so much on trying to hear somebody. And then I, it it makes no sense. Why would you go out to go out with your friends if you can't hear them or have a conversation? I'd rather just sit with 15 wrestlers and watch yeah. some wrestling. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, did you watch NXT last night? I don't watch new wrestling. You don't watch new wrestling at all, though. Okay, why? I just love old wrestling. There's nothing against the new wrestling. Like, when I do watch it, there's a lot of stuff that I do like. But I just... I, I, there is a reason, I guess. It's I don't like being influenced even in a tiny bit, even 1% from anything that's happening nowadays. It's how I keep myself different. You don't see anything that I do that people do nowadays because I don't get into the trends. I don't do anything that anybody does now. Because also, too, like... Uh, if you're going to do Brock's F5... You're not going to do it on the stage. He's going to do it on. So you immediately look. Like, even if you do it better than him, you're just going to look like a cheap imitator. So like I, I don't want to be influenced by any wrestlers. That, like, I'll again check out stuff from nowadays, but I don't watch and keep up. And like I'll look at like clips or whatever the case. But I love. But it's also too like the when matches were longer, when they were more a competition, where it wasn't necessarily like high flying. And I don't mind high flying with a story told, but like I like gritty fights that last. Like they can last from three minutes to twelve to twenty, whatever the case. But I just like, uh, and that's why I like mid stuff, like a real athletic competition where everything matters. Okay, so you, 
your, your style of wrestling, the brawler style and what you, you're talking about, did you really, did you ever try to get into the European style of wrestling, which is kind of the same, like the Russian the uppercuts and the wrist locks and things like that? I want to do, but I suck at it all. Oh, really? Yeah. That's more of the chain style, right? Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't suck at it. I just, I can get through it. I just yeah. don't, uh, I haven't focused on it because it wasn't where I excelled. And it's like, st uh, stick to where you're good at, right? And like, sure. just work on your things that you already, that you already excel at. Okay, okay. I'm good at brawling. Fair play, fair play. <laughs> um, when when does Jordy Taylor become the moment maker? Like, when does it start for you? Like, so if you if you have a match, say Saturday at the Vancouver Pro Island Wrestling, or or three sixty, when when does Jordy Taylor become the moment taker? Does it start in the morning? Does it start as you get to the arena? When do you start? Or are you always half and half? See, that's the thing. Uh, people say that like. Don't like you have to learn to differentiate who you are in terms of inside and outside. Like uh, for myself, my whole I'd say the last five years has been all about like finding my authenticity and like just bringing who I am that's not a pre-made persona into the ring. So like I've started stripping away things like my Jason mask that I was wearing. Like it, I'm not Jason, I'm me. So like I, so I started stripping away all the things that were a gimmick. And now I'm like, I literally just wear my clothes into the ring and I just wear my shoes. The only thing I put on now is knee pads. So like, I'm, I'm just myself. So like in that regard, like I'm just trying to be myself. Well, you're saving money on gear. Well, totally. <laughs> or I'm spending more money on my regular clothes. <laughs> but I'm, it, the only difference is, and I tell fans this all the time, they're like, cause you're such an asshole in the ring, but you're so nice outside of the ring. It's like, I'm, I'm very, and in wrestling, I'm as serious as a heart attack about it. Like, I want to be the best, and I'm, I'm fucking dead serious about what I'm doing in the ring. I'm only a piece of shit when I'm getting paid. So if you give me money and the bell rings, then I'll whoop your ass and I'll be the biggest prick you ever saw. But outside of that, like, I, yeah, Jordy Taylor is inside and outside the ring, the moment taker, same thing. Like, it's not a gimmick in the sense that, like, I'm in the ring to be the best and to make people remember me and leave with the last moment in their brain being me, you know? So it's, it's, it's as shoot as everything else. Like I'm, I'm literally just me inside the ring and outside the ring the same. I'm just maybe amped up a little bit when you're there. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I get it. Um, we've talked about injuries. We've talked about this. You've been doing this for almost 12 years now. Outside of the injuries, Jordy, has there been a point where you said, fuck, what am I doing? No, actually. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I only ask that because I mean, like, I don't know how to ask this question with. I don't. I don't want to sound like an asshole myself, but how does Jordy Taylor get noticed by the next level? Um, what 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 are you doing to get yourself noticed to those guys? You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to yeah. see you there. Mm -hmm. I truly do. Like, I look at the Y at six, I swear to God, man, I keep picturing you as a part of it for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's a Brody Lee thing, maybe, right? I'm be honest, but I just see your character and I see the, some of the promos that you've cut and you're like, you did one a couple of weeks ago or was it last week? You just finished your match and it was on Vancouver Island. I don't know what the outcome was or what, but I saw the video on your social media and we just kind of sitting there back like this. It's kind of like, it kind of took me back to a 1960s kind of feel, yeah. you know, for me anyways, right? Like, I, I just, that's what I saw. And I'm thinking, okay, so I ask you, my friend and brother, you know, with all due respect and, you know, what's Jordy Taylor trying to do to get to that next level now? 
I mean, I mean, what do you do? Like that's what I want. I just can, like I have the deepest faith imaginable. Like, I, I don't have a fear. I know where I'm supposed to be is where I'll end up. Okay. And all I have to do is just continue to work as hard as I can. And okay. like, so, so you and I same vote. We're doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. But I, I guess it's like, do you send demo cases? Is that still a thing that happens? How do you get I sent in my application to WWE a bunch of times. Okay. But uh, so it's an application. The first few times I sent it, like the first couple times I was, I wasn't, I just didn't uh, write in a detailed thing as much as I should have. Like it was a little blurred. Sure. I was just nervous. It was basically like, a, please hire me. I need to yeah, get hired. Yeah, yeah. It was like a nervous energy. I get it. I get it. And then as I progressed. Uh, I started to get more arrogant, and then like I would just send them like, like the description, like tell us why you want to be a WWE wrestler. I was like I'm the best, and then that, that was it. Like so, the, the last one I sent in was uh, a very detailed one. So it, I I've Googled it, and whatever it takes like a month or whatever the case for them to read the application, and I don't I don't know if they have if they haven't. Whatever the case, I know that if I continue to do what I'm doing, that I'm going to turn heads because I'm the best, and like. It sounds arrogant to say, but I mean, the reason why I say it is because everything that I've done so far and everywhere that I've taken myself in terms of like, the, like learning psychology and learning all this, I've never had a mentor. Like there's nobody around the Pacific Northwest because the Pacific Northwest is called like the black hole of wrestling. I'm not saying there's nobody around, but like I haven't been able to get into the brain of somebody who's really been somewhere, done something, you know, like. Someone who's got 20 years of like being on top, like as soon as I get into one of those brains, then like then my shit's going to click to a whole nother level. Like all the people you see that are in the big time right now, they've all been able to get into those names and like to get into those brains and like to help them like with everything that they fucking have. Like I've done all this shit myself and like it's just from like watching old wrestling, listening to podcasts and like I've had people help me with like things here and there, but I've never had somebody just sit down and be like, this is all the things you need to work on. Like I'm. I'm right here saying I'm the best right now without any help. Wait till I get some. Absolutely. Phenomenal. You ever try reaching out to, to Mr. Ass? Who, sir? Mr. Ass? Oh, no. I, I messaged him uh, <laughs> when I was a mark. I'm still a mark, obviously. We're I'm always going to be a Wrestlers are the biggest marks. Uh, but in 2012, maybe, something like that, I messaged him. I found him on Facebook, and I was like, hey, what's up? You're awesome. And then he just... It was like, because uh, he knows I'm a fan, it's a fan messaging him, so it's just like a fan response, like, hey, you know, thanks for your support, that kind of thing. So I, that that's the only correspondence we've had so far. Have One day I'm going to have a match with him, though. Have you considered reaching out to him again? No, just, no. no. I, 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 it's just... Uh, but that could be the brain, man. fanboy playing, like, hey... I get it, I get it, yeah. but, you know, sometimes you, you can kind of learn as well. Like, you never know until you try, right? Mm, that's true. That's why I kind of look at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my business, I look at what I have to go through to get this. Without, I love you, man. Don't get me wrong, but but you know what I mean. Yeah. It's just like you're hustling, you're hustling. You gotta keep putting it out there. Like um, I know you don't watch a lot of movies, like we've talked about before, but I kind of equate what I do to like the Shawshank Redemption movie, where he's in jail and he wants a library, and he writes a letter every day to the government or or whoever it is he needs to write letters to to get books for this library or funds for the library. And he does this for five years every day until he finally say, fuck it, here you go. You know, and it's the kind of same with me, like you just constantly have to keep messaging and asking and going for that. Is it the same for wrestlers in per se, or is it you just kind of go with the flow or? It's a lot about who you know. So it's like, it is like, 
being in with the right people and getting in the right spots at the right moment. So that's a big part of it. I mean, like, obviously talent is undeniable. And, like, uh, I don't... It's all about just, like, continuing to grind. Because, like, I, I know that the cream always rises, right? So mm-hmm. eventually, like, I'm not going to be denied. I just have to continue doing what I'm doing. And, like, the pendulum seems to be swinging more and more back to more personality-based, uh, story-based wrestling. Because, that. Uh, like the absolutely the spot fest style of wrestling today isn't digestible long term in terms of like uh, an angle to get invested to come back week to week. Oh, fair play, fair play. Um, I'm glad you touched on the storytelling piece of it because for me, my favorite match of all time, ever, and I watch a lot of fucking wrestling. I've seen it all, right? Like you have, but for me, the match that stands out is WrestleMania 28, uh, Taker. Hunter, yeah. granted they're my favorites, but that hell in the cell. What an awesome match to have. Right? With Sean as referee. Yeah. People don't realize that was a four-year story. Yeah. Well, how many WrestleManias did they spend before that? Four. Was it? Yeah. yeah. Right? 25, 26, 27, and it ended at 28. And they wrestle at... Uh, well, Sean, Sean, Sean Taker. Well, I mean, in terms of... Well, he fought Hunter yeah. at, at, at 17, yes. Mm-hmm. Right, but that had nothing to do with this or that in terms uh, of the storyline. Yeah. I mean, that storyline started in WrestleMania 25 with the first Sean Taker. Totally, totally. And I was in Phoenix for WrestleMania 26, so I got to see Sean's last match in essence. That's amazing. Right? Not realizing, because who truly retires? Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? I mean, he's one of those guys who legitimately... Retired. I didn't appreciate seeing bald Sean in Saudi Arabia. You know, that was just unfortunate. But either way, that's fine. But yeah, I saw, saw him live at 26. But then that storyline continued with 27. Mm-hmm. And full circle, man. Everything was at 28. I mean, I, I tell everyone, man, watch that fucking match. It's probably one of the best matches, in my opinion, yeah. ever put together. And it wasn't the moves. Nothing to do with the moves. It was just that expression and that storytelling. And that's the art form that I love. I think the closest thing that's come to it currently, and I know you don't watch the current project, is that whole Bloodline story. Oh, I keep up with it. It's amazing. Right? I think that's been an amazing story as well. Mm -hmm. Is storytelling dying? Is everything just too quick now? I don't think it's dying. I just think there's an emphasis on the alternate style of wrestling. Yeah. I think it's still but very much also, healthy. It's just it's not in the forefront like it used to be. But I, I feel that like that quick payoff is not really a good payoff for anybody because it doesn't really make anything endearing. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make feuds endearing. You don't remember the moments. You don't re- exactly, but you taking them all over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just kind of like okay, I, I look at that, and whenever. You know, I, I look at that and whenever you see them kind of come back after a couple of years and you're like, oh shit, I remember when these guys, and they have that look in their eyes when they see each other again. Mm-hmm. Example of that would be Mickey James and Trish Stannis yeah. at the Ladies Royal Rumble That's cool. that took place yeah. because of all the shit they went through. That was a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Crazy fangirl. And they really pushed the boundaries. Mickey really pushed the boundaries with a lot of what she did. You can get away with that shit today yeah. in the ring with, with what they were doing with that. 
sexual connotation and everything, but it was so dark and it was so beautiful. And to have him come back five years, six years, seven years later, almost a decade later, sorry, mm -hmm. and face to face, unless he knew the story and the way they connected that energy. Mm -hmm. Triple H and The Rock connecting backstage after 10 years. Yeah. Again, that moment, you know what I mean? And that's what I miss about wrestling. There's a reason why like the, the biggest names are the ones who didn't do moves and just were very story-based. Like, There's a reason why people remember Hogan, Rock, Austin, Cena, like the, the pinnacle names, like because they were personalities he over what they did, this, right? Yeah. 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 What they did got over because they were over, not the other way around. Yeah, and a, and a guy here on the local scene, if you don't mind me dropping names, a guy who does this really, really well, is, in my opinion, is Thunder. Yeah, totally. You know, I, I watch him work, and I'm looking at some of the stills and the photographs and some of the videos that I've been able to take and done with him. The guy's got five moves, yeah. right? But it's everyone comes, that house is full mm -hmm. because of that energy. He's got a big personality. That personality, he's bigger than life, man. He's not the most technical guy in the ring. He obviously not, but that energy he has, he he's sells a cross it. between Hogan and Hacksaw. Absolutely, like he's bigger than life, and he knows it, right? Yeah. And he does it so well. Mm -hmm. Those bulging eyes. Yes, they yeah they tell the story. Right, everything. It's just right here, mm -hmm. right. It was just beautiful. That's all it is. Where Spotty, in my opinion, he's got the in-ring ability as well, which is why I call him more of the total package. Because he can fucking do it in the ring and he can sell it outside the ring. And I love that about him. And that's what I love about you. It's just like you're always, you've got that. You know, and it's coming and it's getting stronger and stronger. I feel that, man. I see it. And I, I see the segments that you do afterwards in your promos. And when we were talking earlier this week, I'm like, hey, what are you up to? I'm just thinking about promos in my head. Yeah. And what walk us through that? Like, how do you what do you work on? Where, where do you get your motivation and, and your inspiration from in terms of promos? Um, nowadays, in terms of what I do, I just turn the camera on and I just start talking because I I feel that's the most freeing and organic and authentic way to present a promo. Like mm. when I'm when I've gone in, like my whole process. Uh, first off, I'll say the guys I was most influenced by in terms of promos: Stone Cold, obviously. Like Billy Gunn's my favorite wrestler, but Stone Cold's my most influenced wrestler. That's where I've, I've taken everything from. Anyways, he was the first person who I like uh, took my style from, and as I've gotten older, I've taken a lot from Hogan, like uh, NWO Hogan, and Roddy Piper. Just like I'd say nowadays, like I'm more so style, more so based my style of promos off Piper. That's where I'm most influenced from as I've grown older. But anyways, my my process when I first started was just have bullet points, and then uh, when I started to take it seriously, I started adding song lyrics. And so I'd insert one every now and again. And then it got to a point where I just started, because I wanted to make them all, they, they just started to progress more like into like a, a rap promo. And so I just started to write down every single word. And then I would, sometimes I would rehearse those like 80, like one time took 80 times, like 80 different takes. And I was just so tired by the end of it. Like I, it was just where it was at the time. And then eventually after that, when I started to like watch more Piper stuff, then I started to just go back to talking with bullet points. And then now I just get to, I just, turn on the mic or I just turn on the, the, the phone and I just talk about whatever may have happened. So that's a big part too, is like when you're cutting a cold promo and you're just talking about like, when I come to this town on this day, blah, 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 like it's a lot harder to, to, to go off 
also too when you've been talking for a long time and you have like a bunch of things in your repertoire of like things you could say like old quips or whatever the case that makes things easier but uh just it, it's it's a lot easier to talk when you have say like something that just happened two weeks ago or something that you're building too but when you're just like cutting a promo just like for a cold match it's a lot more difficult so like when i have something to talk about say like the chariot of hell match like i can easily just talk about how much it hurt how much his ass i whooped you know how he got the better of me blah 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 i can just like spin things off the top of my head that happened so that when you come in with points i feel it takes away from the authenticity and like you say it for myself like i've been told whatever that i have a cool laugh so i try to insert that into promos i've, I've tried to do that for a while it just makes it sound so inauthentic yeah yeah but so now I, again with just turning it on and talking like if i find something funny or i pop myself then i just laugh in the moment while it's happening yeah i find that to be a lot nicer and easier and smoother and people resonate with it more 100 so yeah because that one promo you did after the match it's like i like those ones you know it's just kind of that's raw that's pure Feeling because the emotion of the match. Absolutely, you're coming out of it and whatnot, and you're just kind of sitting back. I just, I still, I still love that image. You know, you just kind of, it was an angle shot. It wasn't straight on. It was kind of at an angle, and it just the way it was all cut and everything. I really enjoyed that. That was really fun to watch. Do you find that a lot of guys are trying too hard today in terms of their character development and things like that, and not letting it flow? Do you have any advice for guys there? Uh, in terms of character, I feel like the newer generation is focusing less on character and more on moves and looking for the moves, looking to the moves to get them over. And I guess in terms of like uh, tips, I would say uh, just watch the greats, watch the biggest personality guys. Like the biggest, the people that the fans talk about are again the Hogan's, the Rocks, the Austins, the yeah. Cena's. Yeah. They talk about them for a reason. Absolutely. So like, why would you not watch the absolute best, right? Like, yeah, yeah. everyone loves what they love, and there's room for everything in wrestling. It's a smorgasbord. So like, mm -hmm. I am not uh, a spot fest wrestler, but there is a place for it in wrestling. Like, there's a place for everything. For sure, for sure. But if you want to become the best and be noticed, there's no way to do it better than watching the absolute best. Do you feel that, like, I get where you're going with all of this, and I get it, too. It just feels like everybody wants to get their spots in. Everyone wants to just get their moves in. Like, I mean, I I, I go back to Will Ospreay yeah. against Ricochet before Ricochet came to the WWE, mm -hmm. and they had this absolutely cracker of a match. Yeah, I couldn't Aust do any of that stuff. No, neither could I in any day, right? But, I mean, just to watch how these guys work back and forth. Mm -hmm. But it's just a spot fest, like you said, right? And a lot of the older generation guys kind of shit on the match, yeah. right? I, I remember reading articles on some old school guys, like looking at like, you know, this is fine and everything, but what the fuck is this? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what are you trying to prove here? And you're right, because I remember it, you remember it because we're fans. But if, if you're just looking for it, like you ask a casual guy, they're going to say, Stone Cold, Rock, mm -hmm. Cena, and Hogan. Yeah. I mean, that's, in my opinion, the Rushmore of wrestling, yeah. right? And none of those guys were great in the ring, per se, mm -hmm. in terms of moves and whatnot. What was it? Jaunting of the five moves of doom mm -hmm. or something like that? Everybody's got five moves, all, all those guys. Right? But 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 it's everything else involved. Yeah. And and the way they sold it, brother, take your vitamins yeah. to Austin 316. K 
can you smell what the rock is cooking? And the three, you know, hustle, loyalty, respect. I mean, those are the things that stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, my partner in crime here, Chance, he, he was in Vegas for SummerSlam last year. Yeah. And he was there for the Pacquiao fight. But it just happened that SummerSlam was happening at the same time. That's cool. So he went to both events. And he said to me that even though the scene is not even on the roster, his merch was number one yeah. over anybody's. Mm-hmm. Like, that's crazy. Almost personality, right? Right? That's like, the difference right there. It's like, instead of having a match that's filled with a bunch of things, the key is to do nothing and stand in the middle of the ring and just own the ring. No, absolutely. That's like, people relate to that, right? They can't relate to uh, a backflip, Hurricane Rana, whatever the case. No, 100%. So, I mean, I, I would love to see more of that come back. You know, I don't know who the next one is. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to make it Roman. But I think in Roman's case, he was very lucky. He's one guy, in my opinion, that benefited from the pandemic. Yeah. I want to ask you about that as well. Out there. But, um, you know, he was able to develop the character. I find that fans today can hijack a character mm-hmm. at that level. I don't know how much they can hijack a show at an indie level. Has that happened, do you find I mean, it, I guess it all depends specifically on the performer. I haven't seen, I mean, I guess I have seen fans shit on certain wrestlers, but it's all about just like not letting it get to you. But that comes out with like, that comes to like being confident and like that goes back to not having to work a, a spot fest kind of match. Like doing the opposite of that is like when I'm in the ring and I much respect to the guys who can do all the crazy stuff. I can't do it. Uh, like I, I respect all of their athleticism, but like when I get in the ring for myself, I just try to stand in the middle of it and own it. And like that alone seems to be more effective than like anything that like that, that I could do move wise. Sometimes in a match, I don't even do moves. I don't do any, I have five, but I don't, sometimes I'll do one, right? Like it's just whatever happens. I don't even do my finisher on every match, right? No, I, I remember at Love Country, I think a few weeks, about a month back, you were in the ring and it was very minimal what you did. Yeah. I remember that. Like that, I, I bring points like because you mentioned it. You know, it's just kind of, I remember they had the taser, mm-hmm. right? And, and that so, played, well. right, but that played more of a role. That taser had more moves yeah. than you did. But you still sold everything really well, and right. you brought it together, right? So I know you get the art form and everything and whatnot, but it's just kind of like, if that's the case, and if this is the key to figuring it out, why are more guys doing it that way? Jumping on the trend. But, but, but the trend doesn't make sense when you see who the Rushmore is and all, what all four of those guys had in common. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, it's like finding, like... Uh... Uh, like say an enlightened master and but they're not actually that you're just projecting what you want onto them so you make them out to be this superior being meanwhile they're leading you astray right like jumping onto a trend because it's popular because the top people in the industry are doing so like it's it it's easier to go along with that than to blaze your own path right and like be your own person like uh i'm not in with certain groups because I don't wrestle that style. Yeah. I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm literally the opposite. Like I, I'm pure story based wrestler. So like I, I've had to go ever since I learned to start wrestling like the people want and not like I want or not like I'm influenced to sure. want. Sure, sure. 
it's just been a lot harder to be in with certain groups of people that like the opposite style of wrestling, right? Yeah. So right now you, you, you're Vancouver Island, you're here on the mainland, you're up in the interior, and so how many different stories are going on with Jordy Taylor? Because I mean, there's GTA, yeah. which which we, I think that was the very first question I ever asked you about. Do you remember? No, I do not. We were standing out by the ringside. I introduced myself yeah, to I remember, you. Yeah, I yeah. Said, yeah. And I said, so GTA, don't trust anybody. I told how, how can you work with these two guys <laughs> specifically yeah. and not, and trust them considering who the faction was? Mm-hmm. And I've watched both those guys turn their backs and have their backs turned on many, many a time. So how does that? How did that name come about? And you know, like, were you guys ever concerned that someone like me would ask that question? Not necessarily. No. Uh, DCA actually started back in 2013 when uh, Jamie Diaz, Daniel yeah. Adonis, and I turned on Scotty, and so it was Diaz Taylor Adonis. That was originally where DTA was, and yeah. it just happened to be don't trust anyone, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So it just worked. It was like, it was our thing. Don't trust anyone aside from our little clique. So how did Scotty become a part of the clique? <laughs> I mean, uh, lights blurred, okay. toothpaste is out of the tube. He's one of our homies and always has been. So I mean, same with Brett Matthews. Like, yeah. uh, it's our group that doesn't trust anyone. I guess yeah. you could say that. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. But then in Thrash, you you, have, you work with, with uh, Jay Starcy a lot. Yeah. And is, is that a faction or is it that? ETA is originally, uh, it's Adonis and I is what we made that. That was our thing. Sure, sure. But in Alberta, it just happened to work because it was supposed to be, I think it was supposed to be Adonis and I. It was supposed to come in for DTA. So they, they started labeling us as that. And then it just happened to stick. So even with different people coming in, like DTA now seems to have evolved into whatever group I'm in in Alberta. So like there, there's that. Yeah. But uh, that is technically in the past, and it's not the real DTA unless it's say like Adonis and I. But uh, when I go back, because every company that I work at now, if I have my way, and usually I do, uh, I the moment of truth is my new. It's my new incarnation in its yeah. chapters. So I have a different chapter in Thrash. I have a different chapter in Vancouver okay. Island Pro Wrestling yeah. and 365. So I'm going to RCW in January. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe I'll have one jump in there too, right? That's so, awesome, man. Yeah. Um, Alberta, I wanted to touch on that. I, I got to spend some time down there. And uh, one of the companies there that I've been really, really privileged and, and honored to kind of embrace me and what I'm doing is Can Am Wrestling. Yeah. And I know you guys do some work with them. Mm-hmm. You want to touch on Kaya for me and, and what what they've done for you and how they've helped you out, or are they how what you've been able to gain from them? Cause I love those guys, man. Yeah, I'd say Otto and Ed are the oh, best promoters that I've had. Like awesome. they've been the best to me. I love Kaman. The place yeah. is awesome. Like a, I was very lucky to be on their uh, resurrection show. So I I do enjoy the company. I enjoy the people. Yeah, and it's, yeah. Otto is the shit. I'm gonna say Otto. Yeah. I love you, brother. Um, we, we talk about once, if not once a week, at least every two weeks, I will reach out to him and talk to him. And and he's just a phenomenal guy. He has been, if not Scotty as well, but Scotty and and Otto have been those two guys that have been by my side since I started this. That's awesome. Right. And to this day, like, you know, Otto is phenomenal. I love the guy. So I just wanted to ask you what the relationship was with him and, you know, how he was with you and. Oh, they're great. They're yeah. always so accommodating to me. Awesome. They awesome. flew me in, whatever the case, I like, guess. Yeah, they treated me good. They paid me good. Yeah. Yeah, they're good. 
nothing but good things to say. Like the second show I was on for them, they put me in the main event against Johnny Devine for like their their secondary belt. It was like, yeah. That's uh, pretty dope. <laughs> now you, you look at the wrestling scene in Alberta and, and BC, you've seen both. Do you feel there's more opportunity in the Alberta scene to kind of venture out further opposed to what's available in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland? or in I feel there's more opportunity in Ontario. Okay. That's where the place to be is. So where's the moment taker going to start flying out that way? Or is he already planning to? Uh, I'm not going to speak Engage. anything into existence right. until... Yeah. I want to do it in silence. Absolutely. So whatever I do, I'll do it. Yeah. Okay. You'll, you'll see. You'll well, find you out. Maybe just text me so I can come as well. Yeah. I'll be there for that, man. That'd be pretty cool. Um, Eddie Osborne, what's it like working with him? Uh, aside from Lance Storm, Eddie is the best trainer I've seen. He's he's a man. He's, he's so cool. Like... Uh, he's treated me very well. I like to work hard for him, obviously, because he treats me well. But he, he's a wonderful person. He's so good in the ring. He can do everything. I'd love to meet him one day. I've not met him. I just saw a picture of him and Scotty from that last weekend. Yeah, two pros. I swear to God, man. I thought that was Vader's son. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, yeah, Eddie is super agile motherfucker. And he can work. He's huge. Yeah, he's like, either Scotty's really small, but just that image, like... Bloody hell, his his knuckle was the size of my hand. Yeah, he's got a double knuckle. Yeah. Both hands, both hands, both hands. Holy fuck, that he's guy's just monster. Yeah. I just feel like putting a Vader mask on him. Like, I don't mean that in a disrespect. No, he's so... Vader's the coolest big man ever. Right, and I look at him and I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, this could be the son of Vader. Mm-hmm. Right, like he's monster. And he just... Maybe just the way that photograph was taken. Yeah. Scotty's no slouch. He's I a big it boy. The angle. It was the angle, but just the way it looked. Like, <laughs> anyway, awesome dude though absolutely so you've been able to work with a lot of cool people and this and that I mean I don't want to put you on the spot but where where do you enjoy working more the mainland the interior the island where do you feel that you are the moment taker the most I think they all have different vibes uh, and energies different feels to them they've all got like everywhere that I work has a positive vibe to the locker room and like uh, I get to do my own thing in basically all of them because okay. I've built up trust in terms of like knowing that what I'm going to do is best for the story because like ultimately whatever the case like I'll do whatever the story calls for like I, I I'm not going to take huge crazy shit and do stupid shit but if the story calls for it I'll do it and like, like so when it comes to anything happening in any company that I'm working for they all have trust that I'll do the right thing by everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, where, where, where does the moment taker go from here? Where, what's the evolution? What's twenty twenty three? I'm not asking for specifics. But what are you manifesting for yourself in terms of where you want to be and what you want to be able to achieve in the upcoming year? Let me get my ass signed, but okay. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. Yeah. I'm just, uh, I have again the deepest faith that I know it's gonna happen. Like so, I just kind of live every day now and just enjoy whatever's next so like say i have a match coming up in two weeks i'm not saying i do i'm like i don't actually know i just look at my phone and the yeah. calendar tells me what i have but so like say i have a match coming in two weeks i'm like okay so today i have to cut a promo and i just focus all my energy into that promo and then like say i have the match happen i put all my energy into the match as it's happening and then say it's like come to takedown after the show it's like i'll put all my energy into that it's like after match promo all my energy that's like whatever the next thing is is my deepest focus and like okay. it's the, I don't want to keep my mind or my energy too far into the future to be like wanting and expecting. I want to be right here where I am at all times and put as much 
as I can into that. Kind of like how I think. I think of it like this. Uh, I don't. I can't change yesterday because yeah. yesterday already happened. Whatever happened, fuck it, it's gone. I don't know what's happening tomorrow. All I know is if I work my ass off today, tomorrow should be a good day, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But that's not even guaranteed, totally. right? So I always just stay in the moment, mm -hmm. work for today. And I, I piss a lot of people off with that because they're like, well, what about next week? I go, I don't know what's next week. I only know tomorrow's Monday. Mm -hmm. And I got to get up at six. I got to go to work. Yeah. And I got to come home and watch Raw. Yeah. That's it, 100%. <laughs> right? that's, that's my thinking. Yeah. Whatever comes through the day, I'll deal with it. Mm -hmm. It's like a childlike wonder. Like I'm ready to just experience whatever comes yeah. and be excited while it's happening because it's my life and it's exactly where I want it to be. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah, same philosophies, man. We're, we're kind of connected a well away in terms oh, yeah. of our beliefs and thoughts, man. I really like that. Um, so I, I, I never did find out what's your favorite match of all time? Uh, Stone Cold versus The Rock, WrestleMania 17. Okay, why that one? Were you there? No, I've never been to. Uh, I've been to one house show in Vancouver like three years ago. All I grew right, up so super poor, so I didn't have money to go to shows. Or I got to make a point. The next time we have something close by, I'm going to take you myself. No, no. You got to go. I, <laughs> I've been blessed and privileged to be at one, two, three WrestleManias, yeah. a Royal Rumble. Um, and I'm not rich by any means. And, and, you know, some of this is circumstances just worked out. That's cool. No I, have, I have family in Phoenix. Yeah. So that helps a lot. Totally. Right? I mean, in, in essence, I'm really just paying for airfare and my ticket. Mm -hmm. And accommodations are sorted. So God bless the family. You know, that worked out for me. Yeah. I wouldn't have gone to those shows if I didn't have the family. Mm -hmm. uh, Seattle was just down the road. Like, yeah. I, I was able to come home and sleep in my own bed. That's dope. Toronto, Rock Hogan. I got oh, to see man. that live. I'd say that's the second best match. I tell you what, I sat in that crowd and I, at this point, I already know. Right, I know what I'm watching. I know what it is. I know everything. And here still. That's the thing. It's crowd reaction. On the back of my head. Like it was the shittiest match ever done. But people tell you what match is the best though, right? But everything outside of their five moves of doom or whatever. Mm -hmm. That match was just yeah, totally. back and forth. That crowd. Wow. Out of control, right? And the reason why I say Austin Rock is because like. There's never been a time that I can recall, and I'm, I don't say 100% I'm right on everything, uh, but I would say there was never a point where there was two guys at their peak that could talk the way they did, that had the personality they did, that were neck and neck with each other, like trying to steal the top spot. Like it was just that, I mean, like the, just the feeling of it, like the energy of it. Like that's, WrestleMania 14 was like my first, like on those two guys, and then WrestleMania 17 was like, that was like my, ultimate, I guess, inspiration in terms, because it's my favorite match, right? Like, so, like, that was, I guess I would say I'm those four, those four, like, not four, because there's three people, whatever the case. Are, well, yeah. no, if you look at the four guys that we'd be talking about for the most part, yeah. and I think we're both in agreement, they are the Rushmore guys. Yeah, totally. Right? I mean, you're taking a little bit of each biggest. one. Yeah, totally. Right? And and kind of making it you. Mm -hmm. Right? I get it. Like, I, I say to people, I want to be the biggest podcast in the world. And people scoff at me, and, and I don't give a fuck anymore. No, I'll say it straight to the camera, fuck you all. You know, like straight up, this is what it's gonna do. I have to do what I what it takes, and you're doing what it takes. You see, you're I see you're combining the energy of those four guys 
to make it one entity that's your own. Yeah. I understand that completely, right? I'm not saying I want to be like Joe Rogan, but I'm going to be something like you that. Take the bits that inspired me. Exactly, right? And and you know, it's kind of like I don't like to bring religion into it or whatnot, but I've been very fortunate to grow up in different religions in my life. Christianity, Hinduism, and Sikhism, and whatnot, but I don't follow one particular Take life. a little bit from everything. I took everything. That's cool. And I made one thing, and I called it Samsonism. That's dope. Right? <laughs> it's more of a lifestyle than it is a religion. It's yeah. just live to be. Mm-hmm. Very simple, right? Um, so, so one show I would like to recommend to you, I know you don't watch a lot of shows, but this is a wrestling show. Watch Young Rock. Yeah. I think you'd really enjoy it. It's kind of an interesting concept. The stories are really cool. And if he had all the interactions that they're showing he had as a kid, man, that's one lucky motherfucker of a kid. Mm-hmm. Right? It, 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 it's broken up in three segments. Uh, you have when he's a little kid in Hawaii, when he's a high school student in Memphis and whatnot, and when he's basically university and he gets into the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of broken up that way a lot. But a lot of the stuff from the younger days, like, you know, it's through this show that I discovered Polynesian Pro Wrestling. Oh, yeah. Right? The, the, the shows that they were running out of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Rock's grandmother and, and whatnot. And if you go back to 1985, 86, you find it on YouTube. It's kind of weird. The WrestleMania 1 card... It's kind of based off of that card. No way. In my thinking. That's cool. Because you had everyone there. Snuka was there. Andre fought there. Macho was there. Um, you know, all of them. Everyone that was kind of involved in, in WrestleMania and whatnot were kind of involved in these mega shows. And there was like sixty to 80,000 people at these arenas in Hawaii at the time. Yeah. Are they historic? Is that accurate to the to what actually happened on the show based on? I think some of it's traumatized, but it, I mean, if he had the interaction with all these guys growing up as a small child, like being able to sit on Andre's lap, like some of the there's this one episode in particular where Andre plays a big role in his life in teaching him the value of whatever it was, you know, like he took him fishing and this and that. So if those things truly happen, that's That'd be crazy, amazing, yeah, totally. But I don't know how much is exaggerated. Obviously, it's TV. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm old. You know, I like to believe, okay, this really happened. And that's a really cool experience. It would be. Definitely. So it's it's in its third season. Yeah. I recommend trying to find it. Yeah. And watching it. I'll check it out. I'll see what happens. Definitely. It's a wrestling show. That's why yeah, I'm pointing totally, it to you, bro. Totally. And uh, so so from there, other than that, man, we're... we're What's next? Where do you are you? Do you have any matches coming up, or are you on Christmas break? I think my next match is in Alberta. Oh wow! For RCW. RCW. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Against Raj Singh, the Impact star. Yeah, I'm in Raj. Yeah. Yeah, the the son of the great Gamma. Oh, yeah, so I'm fucking excited for that. It's Absolutely. Be, it's gonna be awesome. I picked his brain a little bit in Calgary as well, and I asked him the question, like, cause he's South Asian, right? He's not Pakistani. The great Gamma was not Pakistani per se, like in in actuality. There were, there were Sikhs, they were, they were like, you know, from India. Yeah. So I asked them, I said, and unfortunately the, the video got corrupted and I couldn't post it. Yeah. So Manaraj, if you're listening to this, brother, please give me another chance. I want to get that out there. But I'll share what we talked about. And I asked them very simply, I said, Manaraj, I know your dad's not from Pakistan. I know your dad's from India and everything else that goes with it. Indian people would never want to 
even if it was a work, say I'm from Pakistan, at that time especially, mm -hmm. there was such a divide between India and Pakistan, uh, which goes back to the partition of, of what the British did and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. So I asked him, how did he become Karachi Fights? That's just something that I never understood from a cultural perspective, mm -hmm. from just a political perspective. How did it happen? Simple, very simple. Back in those days, you could get away with calling people Pakis. Yeah. And to get that heat, he pretended to be from Karachi. Oh, just trying to, yeah, okay. To get that heat. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm like, fuck, really? The things guys were willing to do to get the mm -hmm. heat. Totally. Well, if you've watched, uh, what the hell is it called? I just recently watched The One and Only with, um, what's Fawn's name? Uh, Harry Winkler. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful movie. It's from, I think, the late 60s. Maybe yeah. Early, yeah, anyways, awesome movie. But when he's trying out characters, he tries a Nazi, right? Like, like the things you do to try and to, like, to, you have to get do? heat, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, I mean, um, anybody try anything at any time to try and get over, right? You have to try it, right? But it's just kind of weird. It's just like, especially at that time, it was really heated politically in that world. Yeah. As that part of the world was really heated. Blur the lines, right? I guess, too. Like, just, like, yeah. take, like, like uh, yeah, just... What's real is what resonates most, right? So I mean, it's kind of funny though. Can you look today? You can't, you can't say the word pack. I'm saying it, but you can't say those kind of words mm -hmm. anymore. You can't chant them anymore. You know, it just shows how far the evolution of society has gone. That where the Karachi Vice wouldn't have worked today. No, I think they had a remake in like 2012. I want to say they tried something, but yeah. it just didn't fly in my opinion yeah like it just you can't you can't say half the shit you want to say anymore bro like you just can't like where, where do you see the industry going uh, i mean it depends on who's leading it i guess so right now we have triple h leading it from one angle and you have tony khan doing his thing how, how do you see them navigating i mean they're kind of the opposite i feel that wwe is going to continue to churn out story-based wrestling and aw is going to be the in-ring uh, move-based wrestling. Yeah, well, like I just like the more athletic. I guess not to say everyone in wrestling is athletic now, and everybody can wrestle. I guess like mm -hmm. there's better wrestlers now than there's ever been. So would you say Daniel Bryan's more of a move-based? No, see that guy tells a story. He can he can whoop an ass and tell a story. He can do all the moves, but he's like when, when he everything makes sense. Like that, that, I guess that's the key. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get because I mean uh, I wanted to touch on this a little bit as well. You know, uh, William Regal. And, and the time that he spent in AEW, and now he's gone, he's left, he's coming back. Yeah. He'll be back in January, they're saying, to the WWE. Apparently his son's in developmental. I don't know about that, but um, he said the one thing that he found very hard there was the immaturity. Yeah. Um, do you think it's wrong to pay guys who haven't figured it all out, six-figure six figure contracts, and they, they, because my understanding is, is that Brian and Regal would be there early in the morning mm -hmm. and try to teach the guys, but not many people would show up yeah. for these amazing lessons. Mm -hmm. Even if I wasn't a wrestler and I had access to that, I would go. Legit, yeah. Right? Because yeah. I could take that and apply it to this. That's like I'm saying, getting into those names. Yeah, absolutely. Getting into their brains. So how, how does a person like you who wants that so bad to hear about guys who have it in front of them and they're not utilizing that. Maybe outside of a Wheeler Yuda and a couple other 
uh, you know, the acclaimed might be there as well, but they got your boy to work off of, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, from that perspective, does that disturb you or does that motivate you to get there even harder? I mean, I used to let things bug me. I used to let every little thing bug me and take everything personally, but I try to just stay in my own lane and think that, like, everybody that's going to do what they're going to do is going to do exactly what they're supposed to do, right? Like, they're going to take the advice and get better or they're not and not, and, like, they'll wean themselves or, like, they'll burn themselves out as they need. Like, everything progresses as it should, and, like, uh, it's just about staying in my own lane and not worrying about what other people are doing. Like, if they have the ability to get into those brains and they don't do it, that's on them, right? Like, I'm just waiting for the chance for myself to be able to do so. Okay, well, here, man, here's the opportunity that I've been waiting for. What do you want to tell the world right now, moment taker? Watch my shit. That's it? <laughs> that's it? Yeah. I'm watch the fucking best. Shit. That's legit. Just watch my stuff. Yeah. Uh, and then once I get to a name, uh, a big name who's done a lot of things and I get in that brain, watch my shit change. All right, man. <laughs> Jordy, I really want to say thank you so much for taking the opportunity out of your schedule. I know you have a, a very special occasion today as well with, with, your, with your partner. So, you know, taking time out of that schedule, that means a lot to me, but I really, really appreciate it. And I hope that I'm alongside the moment taker as he grows and we grow and we get to grow together. Oh, yeah. And uh, let's just blow this shit up, man. Yeah, damn right. Straight up. <laughs> Thank you so much, brother. Oh, yeah, Thank man. you for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. God bless you, man. Thanks, bro.